From the minds of the suspicious, this is Conspiracy. Welcome back to the Conspiracy Netcast. This is Emil. It's been a long time since I've done one of these. I just uh, had some complications in my professional life, but I've been getting some very good feedback from folks out there who were interested in me continuing this. So I kind of got the bug again and thought I'd jump back on board again. You probably found me here via iTunes. If you haven't checked out my weblog, I recommend you go there if you can. Direct your browser to conspiracy.podbean.com, conspiracy.com podbean.com and take a look at some of the videos that I've embedded into the weblog uh, pertinent to all the netcasts which you can get at iTunes or just subscribe from my uh, weblog. So last time I did one of these I said I was going to work on the uh, getting some information to you about J. Edgar Hoover and discussing his tumultuous career in the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And as I was going through uh, the research on J. Edgar Hoover, I came across an interesting project called Paperclip, which was all about the Pentagon uh, sneaking Nazi scientists into the United States after World War II and then putting them to work in American labs. Um, So I thought I'd maybe build a little background for you and discuss Project Paperclip for this netcast here. The uh, setting is the end of World War II, 1945, and uh, Russian and American intelligence teams, victorious as they were, um, started a treasure hunt, basically, through the occupied German territory, looking for military and scientific booty. They're looking for things like new rocket designs and aircraft designs and medicine and electronics, but they were also hunting the most precious spoils of all, which were the scientists themselves, the scientists who whose work had nearly won the war for Germany. The uh, U.S. military rounded up Nazi scientists and brought them to America, and it had originally intended basically to just debrief them and then send them back to Germany. But when it realized the extent of the scientists' knowledge and their expertise, the War Department decided it would be a waste to send the scientists home. So it decided to keep the Nazi scientists in America and make them U.S. citizens. Just one problem. Totally illegal to do that. The uh, U.S. law explicitly prohibited Nazi officials from immigrating to America, and as many as three-quarters of the scientists in question had been committed Nazis. So what happened is the question. Um, Truman, who was convinced that German scientists could help America's post-war efforts, agreed in September of 1946 to authorize this project, Project Paperclip, which was a program um, to bring selected German scientists to work on America's behalf during the Cold War. But Truman expressly excluded anyone found to have been a member of the Nazi party and more than a nominal participant in its activities or an active supporter of Nazism or, or, or militarism for that fact. The War Department's Joint Intelligence Objectives Agency, uh, JIOA, it's quite a mouthful, uh, started doing some background investigations on these scientists. And in 1947, in February of 1947, the JIOA's director, whose name was Bosque Webb, last name is spelled W E V, uh, submitted the first set of scientists' dossiers to the state and justice departments for review. 
As you can imagine, the dossiers were damning. Uh, Samuel Klaus, who was the State Department's representative on the JIOA board, said that all the scientists in this first batch were ardent Nazis. Um, so their, and their, visa, their visa requests were simply denied. Now, as a result of this, Bus, uh, Mr. Webb, as I'll refer to him, wrote a memo basically warning that the, and I have a copy of the, the memo here, he quotes, oh, let me quote him, he wrote a, a warning that, quote, the best interests of the United States have been subjugated to the efforts expended in beating a dead Nazi horse, unquote. He also said that the return of these scientists to Germany, where they could be exploited by America's enemies, presented... Um, uh, here's a quote again, a far greater security threat to this country than any former Nazi affiliations which they may have had or even any Nazi sympathies that they may still have, unquote. So apparently Webb decided to sidestep the problem since since he couldn't persuade the State Department to allow hardcore Nazi scientists into the country. He basically asked the U.S. military intelligence to rewrite the scientists' dossiers to eliminate this um, how shall we say, incriminating evidence. And as you can imagine, the military intelligence uh, folk cooperated, basically cleansing the files of Nazi references. So by 1955, there were more than 760 German scientists that were granted citizenship in the United States and, and given prominent positions in the American scientific community. A whole bunch of them had been longtime members of the Nazi Party and the Gestapo, and they'd conducted experiments on humans in concentration camps, and they'd used slave labor and, and committed you know, war crimes. The question is whether or not there's even a conspiracy involved here, because up to this point, it's basically historical fact here. But... In 1985, there was an expose in the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientist. A woman named Linda Hunt wrote that she had examined more than 130 reports on Project Paperclip subjects, and every one had been changed to eliminate the security threat classification. So President Truman, who had, again, explicitly ordered that no committed Nazis be admitted under Project Paperclip was evidently never aware that his directive had been violated. State Department archives and the memoirs of officials from that era confirm all of this. In fact, according to Claire Lasby's book, Operation Paperclip, um, the project officials, and I've got the quote, she says, the project officials covered their designs with such secrecy that it bedeviled their own president. At Potsdam, he denied their activities and undoubtedly enhanced Russian suspicion and distrust, unquote. Quite possibly fueling the Cold War even further. Now, a good example of how these dossiers were changed is the case of Werner von Braun, uh, September 18th, 1947. Uh, there was a report on the German rocket scientists, right? I'm sure you all heard of Werner von Braun. And this report stated, subject is regarded as a potential security threat by the military governor. Then the next February, 1948, a new security evaluation of Von Braun said, no derogatory information is available on the subject. It is the opinion of the military governor 
that he may not constitute a security threat to the United States. That's, what, five months, six months later? So here are a few suspicious characters who were allowed to emigrate through Project Paperclip. First, Arthur Rudolph. Uh, during World War II, um, Rudolph was operations director of the metalwork factory at the Dora Nordhausen concentration camp, where 20,000 workers died from beatings, hangings, starvation. Um, this guy had been a member of the Nazi party since 1931. Um, there was a 1945 military file on him, and it simply said, 100% Nazi, dangerous type, security threat, suggest internment. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty a damning um, characterization there. But the JIOA's final dossier on him said that there was nothing in his records indicating that he was a war criminal or an ardent Nazi or otherwise objectionable. And, of course, Rudolph became a U.S. citizen and then later designed the Saturn V rocket used in the Apollo moon landings. In 1984, when his war record was finally investigated, he took off to West Germany. Um, I already mentioned Werner von Braun. Uh, from 37 to 45, von Braun was the technical director of the Pinan Moon Rocket Research Center, where the V-2 rocket, which devastated England, was basically designed and developed. Um, his, his dossier was rewritten, so he didn't appear to have been an enthusiastic Nazi. Von Braun worked on guided missiles for the U.S. Army and was later director of NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center. He became a celebrity in the 1950s and early 60s as one of Walt Disney's experts on the world of tomorrow. And in 1970, he became NASA's associate administrator. Um, Another guy named Kurt Blom, who was a high-ranking, high-ranking Nazi scientist, he, he told U.S. military interrogators in 1945 that he'd been ordered in 1943 to experiment with plague vaccines on concentration camp prisoners. He was tried at Nuremberg in 1947 on charges of practicing euthanasia, um, you know, basically murdering sick prisoners and, and conducting experiments on people, on humans. He was acquitted. Um, but even though he was acquitted, his earlier admissions were pretty darn well known, and it was generally accepted that he had indeed participated in um, gruesome experiments. Two months after his Nuremberg acquittal, uh, Brom was interviewed at Camp David, Maryland, about biological warfare, and in 1951, he was hired by the U.S. Army Chemical Corps to work on chemical warfare. And, of course, his file neglected to mention Nuremberg. Um, and a couple other people that um, might be of interest in, in context of Project Paperclip. A guy named Major General Walter Schrieber. Um, again, referring back to that article by Linda Hunt, um, the U.S. military tribunal at Nuremberg heard evidence that um, Schrieber had assigned doctors to experiment on concentration camp prisoners and had made funds available for these experimentations or these experiments. And this is, again, going back to what Linda Hunt said. The, the assistant prosecutor said the evidence would have convicted Schrieber if the Soviets, who held him from 1945 to 1948, had made him available for the trial. Now, again, Schrieber's paperclip file made no mention of this evidence. The, the project found work for him at the Air Force School of Medicine at Randolph Field in Texas, 
and uh, a columnist named Drew Pearson, when he publicized the Nuremberg evidence in 1952, the negative publicity led the JIOA to arrange a visa and a job for Schrieber in Argentina, where his daughter was living. And on the 22nd of May, 1952, he was flown to Buenos Aires. Um, and the in the last notable character here was uh, Hermann Becker-Freising and uh, uh, I guess there was two. There was another guy named Siegfried Ruff. Um, with Blom, these guys were among the 23 defendants in Nuremberg's war trials uh, medical case. Um, Becker-Freising was convicted and sentenced to 20 years in prison for conducting experiments on Dachau inmates, like starving them then force-feeding them seawater that had been chemically altered to make it drinkable. Um, Ruff was acquitted in a close decision on charges that he, he, he killed as many as 80 Dachau inmates in a low-pressure chamber designed to simulate altitudes in excess of 60,000 feet. Before their trial, Becca Freising and Ruff were paid by the Army Air Force to write reports about their grotesque experiments. Like, can you believe this? Um, now, it's important to note that Project Paperclip was stopped in 1957 when West Germany protested to the U.S. that these efforts had stripped it of scientific skills. And there was no comment about supporting Nazis. It's, it's a fascinating little bit of history that very few people, at least I can say for myself, I, I'd never heard of this. I mean, I, I knew that there was something in American history where we snuck Nazis into America, but I didn't know it was done so systematically. Some interesting reading on this um, that I've already mentioned to you. Again, there's um, a book called Operation Paperclip by Claire Laspie, um, and the uh, other uh, article that I mentioned by Linda Hunt, the name of the article is U.S. Cover-Up of Nazi Scientists, and it's in the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, published in April of 1985. Well, that's going to do it for this netcast. Uh, I'd be interested to get some feedback from you about what your thoughts are about Nazis in America. I wonder what the um, the ramifications of, of that project have been in U.S. history and U.S. operations for the last 50, 60 years. Um, again, don't forget to visit my web blog and give me some comments and some input. It's uh, conspiracy.podbean.com. Tune in next time, and I'll catch you on the coolest webcast, netcast, podcast on the internet. That's conspiracy.